Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 590 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Well, I wouldn't say that I'm joined with you, but we are here together. Yes, I, I said. Yeah, I said that once, and then they were people were asking who was Eddie Brock and who was Venom. So, oh, I was going to say who's Belial and who's the other guy, but more on that much, much later in the show. Right, right. Now, should I say there's going to be a long show at the beginning to jinx it that'll be a short show, or should we continue with the jinx that it's going to be a short show? Um, I like to. Th- you change it up, so maybe it'll work. We'll see, and then we'll we'll run with that if it happens. We're working on it. Saying it's going to be a short show is a new bit. So, you know, we're still trying to hammer it out here. You know, right. this is like taking it around to like the local comedy stores, testing it out in front of different audiences before we do the uh, Netflix uh, special on it, you know? Right. This is the Mitch Hedberg uh, uh, notebook right here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. So um, would you like to know what's on the show, Joe? I'd love to know what's on the show today, Todd. Mm, um, the final fate of a TV show. Uh, also, uh, Marvel relaunches a book unheard of. Um, With the a new number lawsuit. one. Go ahead. What? A lawsuit is settled, so maybe a certain comic book will be showing up. And the most famous origin in the history of comics uh, character gets a trailer for Disney Plus, which is fantastic. Also, the return of the Rob Watch. Uh, digital sales, what we read last week, which was uh, Dark Ages and King Conan, what we're looking forward to this week. Uh, also, Todd and Joe have issues, which is uh, the battle for second place with uh, King of, uh, no, oh my God, I'll be all right. Bat Ombre versus Hypno Hustler. Um, also, at the end of the show, we'll have spoiler-filled talk of Book of Fett. Legends of Tomorrow, and three episodes of Peacemaker. Did you get through all three, Joe? I did. Right. Well, at least you got through the TV shows, just like I got through the opening, Joe. Right. Oh, my goodness. Stumbling and a bumbling. <laughs> oh, rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. together needs to be fired. Oh, I, well, let's just put it this way. What I had my notes on was giving me flare-up, Joe. Gotcha. All right. Well, you just sit back from here, huh? No good. All right, so uh, over the weekend, it was sadly announced uh, by Eliza Clark, uh, who was the executive producer and showrunner on Why the Last Man, the FX TV show, uh, that even though FX was not going to carry season two, they were attempting to shop it around uh, to some other places. And she had tweeted a big, long whole thing here, but essentially the, the main crux of it is uh, for those of you that have been asking, we've tried really hard to get another platform to pick up season two, but sadly it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It is always incredibly difficult to move a show, and in recent years has only gotten harder. And then, of course, lots and lots more in regards to this. Um, and it bums me out, because this is a show that like they worked so hard to get made, then they had to like, scrap it and start over. And, you know, because there are so many different platforms for shows like this, um, it did get out there. It did find a place to air, but it just didn't find its audience. And unfortunately, it looks like it'll never get that chance to 
become like a cult hit because that doesn't happen anymore because there's just such an output these days. Yeah, there's so many channels and streaming services. There's just so much content out there that stuff gets lost in the din. You know what I mean? Just it's yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm sad because I, I, you know, I was enjoying it. Um, uh, I, I'm kind of like I do have a soft spot for post-apocalyptic stuff. Um, but if there's one one uh, silver lining in this, I wonder if it had gotten renewed, if we would be getting Saga back. That's a very interesting question, but I feel at least at that point, that show wasn't the thing that was keeping Brian K. Vaughn away from Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very least, if it did get picked up, I'm sure we would get at least these six issues. We've got three going on four solicited already. Um, I'm sure that we would get those six issues and then maybe just a gap in between the, the these six and the next six, you know? Right, I get you, but what I mean is it's just one more thing on his plate. Yeah, with, sure. Uh, you know, but like maybe they knew beforehand, and that's why they were able to get ex- uh, them, you know, ready to go. And Fiona Staples is fast, man. So right. she's never missed a deadline on Saga, anyway. Right, of course. Any of the stuff is you know Brian working on like Under the Dome or some such other nonsense, you know. <laughs> But hey, man, you got to get those Hollywood gigs, man. They, I think they pay a lot more. Oh yeah, and I have no, you know, problem. I get it. So make mm-hmm. it where you can. But I just want to see the end of Saga. So that's true. Um, so uh, also this week it was announced. Um, you know, we're currently in a rebuilding process over on Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, it feels as though it's a weekly comic these days with a rotating team of creator stories side stories in regards to the beyond corporation uh but it looks like this april uh it's going to relaunch quote unquote with a definitive creative team that being uh one of the rotating staff writers currently on the book now zeb wells and returning to the book uh after you know his heroic stint during the clone (laughs) saga days john ramita jr Mm mm-hmm now, it is launching with a new number one, but we are uh, in the year of the 60th anniversary of Amazing Spider-Man, so I'm sure that uh, legacy numbering will come back sooner than we all expect it to. What? I don't think so. I think this one's going to stick, literally, mm-hmm. to the wall, Joe. I think in my time, this is the seventh or eighth renumbering of Amazing Spider-Man at number one. Right, because they don't want to get to a thousand, Joe. They don't. They want all well, the numbers. Well, they do. Ones. It's just everything on Marvel has a legacy number, even if it's like a miniseries. But it's like yep. continuations of miniseries as it is. Mm-hmm. You read those, and there's legacy numbering on them. Yeah, I, I agree. But like it, with the miniseries, is not so much. They come in later when they're over. Um, it's not like they, they have the legacy numbering right on them, but I get what you mean. It's like, we'll take whatever we can to use to get faster to that legacy number. Right. And I think that's what a lot of this current arc, this in between the Nick Spencer stuff and the Zeb Wells is the only writer on the book is where we're getting like two to three and sometimes four issues of of amazing Spider-Man a month. It's to get that whatever big round legacy number thousand to line up with as close as we can to the 60th anniversary of amazing Mm spider-man 
And Zeb Wells is a fine writer. He's not, like, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, he's definitely got, like, the humor and the feel of Spider-Man down. And I'm a John Romita Jr. fan. You know, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I'm a, I'm a fan. I really like his uh, art. He's he's a guy who's kind of, I think, changed with the times, uh, but still kind of holds true that you could see those original John Romita Jr. stuff from whether it be the 2000s or 90s or 80s or whatever you know like there's no mistaking a john romita jr piece uh, i'm i'm a little different i like john romita back when bob layton was inking him um mm-hmm. and but i could definitely see you know definitely uh, like the romita like it's it's unmistakable when you see his artwork um i do think the change is drastic from one to the other but yeah i get it and uh, i'm not i've never really read a lot of Zeb Wells stuff. So I have no comment on that other than he should change his name to web Zells when he writes. Uh, no. <laughs> That's, it'll be one of those things where it's like Zeb web Zells Wells, you know, like yeah. quotes, you know, but yeah. Uh, speaking of Marvel, speaking of Disney and all their stuff, um, a lawsuit that we talked about many, many moons ago uh, in regards to the rights and the whereabouts and the new projects in regards to the Predator franchise uh, was settled uh, at the end of last year, uh, beginning of this. And that means that any of the Predator stuff that folks have been sitting on, I think there's like figures, a video game, uh, a new toy line, a Hulu series, and uh, the comic book. Like we had stuff solicited, like a new number one and like a collection of all the old Dark Horse stuff. And then when the the screws started getting tighter on this lawsuit, all that stuff just kind of like put it on a shelf somewhere, you know? Right. And then that underdog Disney went and won that case, Joe, and changed everything. Well, again, we don't know if they won. We just know that it was settled. Oh, that is true. That is true. You know, I, I know a guy who could probably open up those court records, but, you know, we'll get into that another day. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder, actually, we don't have the April, the full April solicitations just yet. We don't have actually any of the April solicitations as of this recording. Uh, but I wonder if this is one of those things because they've been just been sitting on a shelf for so long that they could just go ahead and say, oh, it's coming out in April, you know? Um, I, this is what I would say is no, because, um, the, you know, the ruling just happened and they would ha- they have uh, they print up the previews to come out and have like everything set up and be like I think you're gonna have to wait till the next previews for it to be in if you get what I mean. I do. Like, they would have had a known the verdict beforehand so they could put it in all the publications and stuff like that. Hmm. But, It'll be interesting to see if it's this month, next month, or maybe they're gonna like wait for it to line up with some sort of weird anniversary or something, you know. Right, I think but, like this, like this year, I think is the 25th anniversary of the pre- the first Predator movie. Uh, maybe because I know and it, it was, was a summer film. <laughs> Let me go check my gazintas here. You know, 87, I think, was the Predator movie, right? Yeah, so that would be uh, 25 years, right? Yeah, and then how old am uh, I? How old are you? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Um, uh no I'm, I'm, is that 25 or 35 years 25 years right no 35 years i would say oh my goodness like right, i said because the like 90s said, were 30 years ago the 80s are more than 30 years ago okay 
So it came out June of 1987. I could see them waiting to put it out for June. Yeah, because June would be the 35th anniversary. Um, I will say this. I think they already have something in the can ready to go with their Aliens comic. Mm -hmm. Because their Alien comic has been really late. Um, And now I understand (laughs) there's a, a paper shortage. I get, you know. But, like, I think that they probably... Like when they launched that number one, or we're gonna launch that number one, they were like, "Oh, like we have this alien story. We're gonna finish up this storyline, and then maybe we'll start like uh, dropping uh, the 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 breadcrumbs for uh, aliens predator crossover." And it was like, "Oh, that alien book just like ground to a to a crawl." And I think since they announced that book, uh, the predator book, and then it got canceled. There's been like three. Or four issues of Aliens, and how long has it been? You know, I don't know. It's just been so. I'm like, I think that there's something up there, but I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for Predator, so I'm looking forward to the new Hulu show and this comic and everything. So I'm happy about this. So I'm shocked that they just don't have random issues of Aliens, uh, that they like in a drawer somewhere that they could just like print instead. You know. Well, it's in the middle of a storyline, so like they like basically uh, a ship that had an alien on it crash land on this or this planet that they were whatever they call it where they're changing the the ecosystem like they did in the in the movies, and like right in the middle of the issues is they're battling it. So I'm like, oh, do they go and start another new storyline? Maybe throw out a couple of random like one shots. Which they did do a one, uh, a quick one shot, but I think they could have done more. Yeah, but you know, we we joke all the time, like back in the seventies and eighties, even if it was <laughs> in the middle of a storyline, if there was somebody being late, it's like we need an issue of X Men or Spider Man or whatever it is on the stands. So it's just like we have random one shots that'll just get thrown out there, just so that we have something on the stands that month, you know. Yep, like I mean, stuff that they would do where they like they had the cover ready, but not the issue. Um, there's a famous, and when you talk to the retailer, he'll tell you that there's a famous Hulk issue where like Ghost Rider's on the cover, and it's like, nope, he he's in the next month's issue because they couldn't get the story done in time. But their motto was, we have an issue on the rack every month, so we're putting something out. Mm-hmm. So also, uh, you know, as one thing uh, comes, another thing goes, I guess. Um, as part of the wild card game on Monday, <laughs> ABC aired the trailer for the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel Studios television show starring Oscar Isaac, you know, a real actor who's <laughs> been in like not only a bunch of the Star Wars movies, he was Apocalypse, but he's also, like, a real actor and stuff. He was Poe Dameron. Well, but what I'm saying is, like, okay, he was Poe Dameron, but he was also, like, in a bunch of, like, real things, too. He... Like, uh, uh, like uh, 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 critically acclaimed things. Stuff that I don't watch, but, you know, he was in them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gonna be the Moon Knight. Yes, he is. He gets bitten by a radioactive moon. Lucky him. So this is the first of these, uh, as far as we know, so far, just from what we've seen from the trailer, uh, this is the first of the Disney Plus shows that isn't directly or even, like, loosely tied into one of the movies or another Disney Plus show. Right. 
there's like nothing connecting it to anything that we know of so far. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see how this plays because um, I'm all for it, but this trailer was real weird. Well, he's got a, he's a like he's a character with multiple personality disorder, so right. We'll see where that goes. But though you say it doesn't connect to anything, who knows what'll happen by then? Don't we have uh, a Doctor Strange movie between now and when it comes out? Uh, well, the show comes out March 30th. Oh, no. Okay. And Doctor Strange was moved back to May 6th. Okay, so no. So there's a chance, depending on how many episodes this is, that like the season finale of Moon Knight can roll into whatever Doctor Strange 2 is. Fair enough. I thought maybe that there was something in between. But yeah, no, that's definitely... That's definitely interesting. Like, like now, free, if you, if you remember, state. all the Marvel movies got moved back a clip a couple months ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it, I'll I'll watch. You know, we'll talk about it here on the show. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that like the Moon Knight. You know, some people call him White Batman. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm shocked that they didn't lead with him being bit by the radioactive moon. But I guess you want to get people to pay for that. I completely understand. It was probably a very elaborate special effects shot that they had to do to get that done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Industrial light and magic at its finest right there. Yeah. But um, I was never a Moon Knight guy. So this is one of them going in that I have, like, very little interest in. So not in the, the thing because – Marvel's done a pretty bang up job on most of the, most of the stuff. That being said, haven't seen Eternals yet. Um, uh, I don't know. I'll give it a chance, but now we're getting into territory where I could tap out. We'll see. So, oh, so unrelated. Uh, I watched Shang Chi this weekend. Oh, did you? Did you enjoy? I it? did. I enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, we'll get back to Moon Knight here in a second. Uh, I never even seen a trailer for Shang Chi, so I was going in absolutely blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've read a sh- like not that if even if I read like Deadly Hands of Kung Fu from the 70s, I doubt that would have informed any of my opinions in regard to this film. And I feel comfortable in talking about a movie that's been out for like five months and rolled out on Disney Plus like two months ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a really good kung fu movie. Uh, the set pieces and stuff that they do the Kung Fu around are really innovative and really cool. Um, the last third of the movie becomes like a weird over the top CG, CGI dragon fight. And I understand why it's in there. You know, you got to have that sort of thing, um, for a big budget theatrically released Marvel movie. Um, I got like a couple, two, three nitpicks about it, but you know, if you like Kung Fu movies and you like Marvel movies, you could do it's pretty good my only nitpick about it was once again it was way too long that movie could have ended a couple of times ah, it was like it was like 215 which ironically and sadly is short for a movie these days yeah too um, long. but i listen i'm the editor i could trim that movie down to a nice lean 140 i'm i'm with you the other thing was i just felt like um, obviously because like, uh, Daredevil is shown up in that and, and Spider-Man and Kingpin was in Hawkeye, um, that 
this was like they're not bringing back Iron Fist because it just seems like they stole the Kunlun um, like mythos and everything. Um, unless one of the other cities, like they mentioned that there's the other cities, like they could do the, do you remember the Ed Brubaker storyline where there was the war of the, the, the champions kind of a deal? Yes. I think maybe that, that if they go that route where it's like, oh, we can, we can mine another Ed Brubaker story. Let's do that. So I was kind of that. And the fact that the dragon wasn't Fing Fang Foom was a total mistake. Well, I think there's rights issues with that. Right. Um, but back to Moon Knight. Moon yes. Knight is um, someone that I've read based on the writers of the, of him. I know Jeff Lemire had a really good run on him. Um, I think Warren Ellis had a really good run on him. But he's a character that because he has multiple personalities and he has like one or two, th- one or two or three things that like have to be constants with him. Like you have to have the multiple personalities. You have to have Khonshu. You have to have the general look of the character. And then everything else is kind of open for interpretation. One would assume that this is maybe Marvel attempting to get some stability for the character, get some sort of like, you know, grounding for the character so that it's not like whatever the writer wants it to be. To get like the Moon Knight Bible going. Like this is what the character is like. Not... Not a hodgepodge, because, like, that is the one thing. I haven't read a lot of Moon Knight, but there is a lot of, like, different takes on them. So it's like, all right, let's get our definitive take on Moon Knight, and then we could play from there if we want, but we don't want you straying too far from it. Yeah, and all the other stuff that happened before happened, but let's move forward. Yep, especially since by watching the trailer, it looks like we're jumping in in the middle. Yeah. So you can you can have a lot of leeway to do whatever you want later. So um, like right. I said, I'm going to watch it. So yeah, we'll, we'll watch it. We'll talk about it here on the show. It's you know two and a half months away or whatever it is. So I, I hope they drop three episodes in at one in one week. Say that again. I hope they drop three episodes in one week. Um, Disney Plus don't typically do that. They'll do like two at the most. And they only really did that, I think, with WandaVision because they wanted to get to color. Well, they did that with Hawkeye as well. Did they do two episodes with Hawkeye? They did. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if they're going to drop more than one episode, it's going to be for a reason. Ah, okay. And we'll get into like some of the HBO Max DC stuff when we get to the HBO Max DC stuff at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Ask not for whom the Rob Trolls. The Rob Trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. Because now it's time for a returning segment. Something that hasn't come up on the show in quite some time. Whether this person's been quiet, or maybe we've been doing our best to avoid the fights that he gets into. Uh, But last April, the Rob himself said that he was going to do a superhero comic as an NFT and then quickly walked it back, saying that there was too too much unknown uh, and market concerns when it comes to doing something like this. Right. Now, here we are almost a year later. And to paraphrase a seven-time world champion that Todd's very familiar with, Harley Race. I was going to say it, too, but go ahead. Now's the time 
for the Defiance to be released as an NFT by the Rob. Okay. Uh, I, you know what? I'll say this, Todd. Um, anything that makes it more difficult for Rob's work, the Rob's work to get into people's hands, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. <sighs> These so are if you can't go to a local comic book store or an online retailer or something and have this sent to your home as a physical copy that you have to jump through all these weird, unclear electronic hoops. And that's the only way that you can get the Rob's latest works. Mm -hmm. I say, great idea. I look at it this way. Never before has NFT stood more for not for Todd. (laughs) I mean, we are at peak not for Todd here I mean um, especially since isn't this the thing that he's ripping off Guy Gardner to do um, anyway uh, I yeah I just I, I saw this come across I'm like we're doing a Rob watch this week um, and I could not be more interested in uh, in not having anything to do with this so yeah it's just crazy and who knows maybe by the time we do the show next week he'll have changed his mind yet again right. and he doesn't want his art to destroy whole swaths of of the world you know we'll, so we'll see yeah it's the rob he's gonna do what the rob does which is he's fair yep when you think he's gonna zig he's gonna do a figure eight you know yeah he's very capricious <laughs> Uh, so, uh, if you want more information about the Rob, of course, uh, I'm sure all the other podcasts on the soon to be named network <laughs> are talking about what he's up to <laughs> soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com. No, we're your one-stop shop for all the Rob information. Uh, but anytime any of these shows go live, of course you have their individual feeds, but you can find everything anytime they come out or anytime any of the folks from these shows appear on any other shows over at soon-to-be-named-network.com, whether it be this show that you're listening to right now, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Final Wrestling Place is currently on hiatus. We wish them well and hopefully back sooner than later. Uh, we Need Wrestling, At Odds With Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Puzzle Warriors 3, and Profane Arguments. Anytime they go live, you could find them there over at soon-to-be-named-network.com. Uh, you can also check out our friend Kevin, uh, his site, Masked Library. He's still doing his unboxings. I think he just got a bunch of wrestling figures delivered to his home. Uh, hopefully they came in good condition. I don't know if he's a Lucy or a Minton box collector. I'll watch the video and I'll let you know. Uh, check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop. All those cool uh, resin and glow-in-the-dark uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, both listeners of this show, both put out self-published comics that you can get digitally, which is a clear, concise transaction that makes sense <laughs> over at Comixology. Uh, but in an even more clear and concise transaction, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop, Comics on the Green, be your comic book shop. Whether you call them floppies, whether you call them graphic novels, whatever you call them, get your pull list over to Dave and the crew. Even if you're not in the area, they do a fantastic mail order subscription service once a week. 
every other week, once a month. It's up to you. They're very flexible. And hey, if you're getting stuff mailed to your house, you might even get uh, a fancy sketch on your package from our good friend Becky. And you can check out her social media for her process on all the stuff that she's been doing. Even I saw some saucy uh, Supergirl pics she was posting up the other day. Yeah, she's known for her saucy uh, artwork sometimes. Uh Uh-huh. I'll have to ask her about it when I see her. Yes. Uh, But, hey, back to digital stuff. If you're a digital person and that's the way you want to go, but you want to do it on the cheap, uh, Comixology does tons and tons of sales on a weekly basis, and we do our best to try to keep you abreast of those things. Uh, sales going on this week include uh, Marvel having sales on their Marvel Max titles, Deadpool titles, and Silver Surfer titles. I think there's a new Silver Surfer book coming out soon, if not this week. Uh, Image still having a sale on Spawn-related stuff. Uh, IDW is having a sale on their Top Shelf imprint stuff dynamite still has sales on their fantasy stuff and their red sonia stuff uh we are reaching the end of titan's blacklist based on the tv show sale uh valiant having a catch-all new year's reads sale which i figured would be right up your alley with the word play there todd mm-hmm, definitely uh, dark horse having something called a retro futures sale it's mostly black hammer stuff from jeff lemire but there's a lot of other stuff in there as well and two weeks in a row DC having nice little small concise sales based on TV shows. Mm-hmm. Last week it was Naomi, and you can get like everything that Naomi's been in in like less than twenty issues or something, right? Uh, this week it's Peacemaker and Friends. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, I didn't think Peacemaker had this many friends, but you know you can get like everything that Peacemaker's been in and like current-ish published history of DC Comics for, like, under 30 bucks. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a real small sale. Um, but I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how much this stuff lines up with the TV show, but again, we keep teasing it. We're sweeping the quarter hour here. There's, like, a radio show, <laughs> right. right? So, But they didn't have anything of the friend stuff? No, they do. So uh, his friends are Vigilante. Of course. Uh, Suicide Squad. Right, because and he was in that for a little bit, too. Eclipso. Ah, okay. Remember the series of one-shots of the Carlton character's law, Living Assault Weapons? Oh, I do and wish I didn't, but yes. Yes. Uh, a, a Peacemaker miniseries mm-hmm. and something called Multiversity Pax Americana. Ooh, I think that was a Grant Morrison book. I don't need that. It, uh, his name's on the cover, and, uh, you know. But, uh, and Joe, I think they're Charlton characters. Oh, Carlton, okay, Charlton was the cousin on uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I was thinking of the Chews. Okay. Carlton Chews, no? Charleston Chews. You're killing oh, me. Oh, there son. you go. I know what you're doing, but yeah. I'm being you, Todd. Do you love it? Is it great? I, you know what? When I'm doing it, it's cute and quaint. When you're doing it, not so much. It's odd and confusing. I understand. <laughs> yes. All right. So, uh, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. I'll let you kick things off. Yep. I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, King Conan Number 2, written by Jason Aaron, uh, art by Muhammad Ezrar, 
Um, basically, as we left off, it's Co- King Conan, or so we think. Um, uh, and Tothamon stranded on this island being attacked by uh, zombies, basically. And they're fighting, and uh, Conan's like, oh, I, I have an idea on what I should do. And he's like, Tothamon's like, do it. And he ends up just like kicking them into the, into the, the, the horde of zombies. And he climbs up and he's like, ah, like, you know, this is probably your doing. Um, so I'm just going to see what happens. And while he's up there, he starts reminiscing about his time, you know, as King, the, the, the revelation that he's not a King anymore. And he's just doing all this stuff with his son. And he keeps, Conan keeps wanting to adventure and do things and attack and go party and do all this stuff. And his son is like, no, like we have this group of dignitaries coming and we have this. And he's like, oh, well, we'll go here and we'll stop this. And the kid's like, no, like I kind of handled that. And as he goes on, like Conan's thinking to himself, like I had all this adventure that I still yearn for, but I'm thinking about my kid. Like I've handed everything to him. Is he spoiled? Um, and he's like, I don't know if I did. And it's kind of an interesting thing, like on the modern take, like of our, like all the things the kids have, is it making them soft or whatever? And that's what Conan's thinking. But in actuality, it's kind of cool. Like, is he going to make a good king when they show him making like strong, good decisions that will like probably, you know, be handled well? And Conan really doesn't have to worry, as far as I'm concerned, reading this about the future of the kingdom. So he takes steps to maybe toughen up uh, the kid and we're going to see where that goes. And then like he, uh, Conan realizes that maybe it's not Tothamon. Um, so they decide to do a team up. Uh, he decides to like, he's like, if it's not you, uh, we'll figure out what's going on. We'll work together. And maybe Toth has different ideas and maybe we kind of find out who's, uh, and behind everything at the end that I don't really recognize who it is. And we see where it goes from there. I really like this book. Cause I actually, uh, this issue, I liked more the flashbacks seeing Conan and his life as the King and the, the family and everything. And, um, just him thinking about, uh, there's a scene where he thinks that he needs to get more sleep. And I'm like, that's just classic Conan with the, the carnage, like just strewn about the bedroom. Um, I like Jason Aaron's Conan. It's, it's pretty okay. And this was, I mentioned earlier that there's books, like even miniseries and stuff that have the legacy number on them. And this is one of those books that has the legacy number on them. And this oh. is definitively a, a, a miniseries, you know, and there's been, Conan books that have like different variations of names, just Conan or Conan the Barbarian or whatever. But like King Conan here, this is the legacy numbering of everything else that they've done. You know, what do you know? You were right, Joe. I was wrong. I'll take no. I, like I, I, as I'm just looking at the cover here, and I'm like, I knew I saw something recently that was a miniseries that had legacy numbering on it. I'm like, oh, it was this. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like it, this is a beautiful book. I love the bit, the couple, two, three big. Uh, two-page spreads that we got of them fighting, like, the zombie hordes, and just, like, I love this stuff. It's like, oh, like, they're, like, oh, one would assume that the zombies would have been weaker, but because they were, like, pirates that were sunk, and being at the bottom of the ocean has hardened their skin, and now it's like, oh, just, like, little things like that. I just love reading. I get such a kick out of it, and it looks really good. I've been a fan of Mahmood's art going back to, like, Dynamo Five Days at Image, uh, mm-hmm. that Jay Farber book that he did way, way back then. 
Um, but I'm more intrigued to see what's going to happen with the flashback stuff to see what path uh, Conan's son ends up taking, you know? And I, I don't know if uh, his art is digital or, or you know, on paper, but um, the one page where he's doing, like, thinking about his life and he's on the pile of gold kissing the one woman while another one's throwing gold coins up in the air, I want to own that page in the worst way. And just, like, I would wish they still had the words still on the page because he's like, by the time I was my son's age, already wo- I'd already won and lost enough treasure to buy a hundred thrones. And I'm like, yep, that was Conan's life. As fast as he stole it or killed for it, he lost it on women and booze. Right. A great man once said, don't worry about saving your money. You'll just make more tomorrow. Yep. Genius. Uh, so the other book that we both read was Dark Ages number four uh, by Tom Taylor and art by Iban Coelho. And I know it's called Dark Ages, but for some reason this book exists in my mind as Dark Days. It is not. It is. Dark I know Ages. it's not. Is there a book that's called Dark Days that I'm getting this confused with? There might be. I know there's been, a, I think, a movie called Dark Days, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Like, I write it, like, it's in all my stuff as Dark Ages. I know it's Dark Ages, but when I speak it, my mind changes it to Dark Days. Um, so this is a middle chapter, middle piece of the book um, that we are trying to ship people on an old shield helicarrier that has no power. Uh, but Storm is using her mutant ab- abilities to control the weather, to set sail with this giant ship, to try to save as many people as they can from Europe uh, and get them to Wakanda. Uh, they're attempting to get a group of people together uh, to go and stop Magneto. Uh, they are doing their best to try to protect the children to surprisingly no avail. And, uh, at a stop off in Portugal, <laughs> there's a, a bit of a kerfuffle there uh, where they are attacked. And, you know, I don't want to give too, too much away, even though it is spoiled right on the cover. Um, but I like, a, you know, a, a nice alternate reality tale like this in the hands of a good creative team is fun. And we get some neat and interesting concepts. And it's one of those things where just one thing changes and that one thing that changes enough. And I I will say this, um, under normal circumstances, and again, I want to reiterate this, in the hands of a lesser writer, the fact that there seems to be, like, one big death in every issue would be like, okay, every issue is going to have a big death. But the way that Tom Taylor does it, it's, like, so gut-punch and so heart-wrenching. And so everything. I can't complain about it because, you know, no one is safe. Anyone can go at any time, and even with that in the back of your head, when someone is bumped off, they he's he's given you enough that it doesn't um um tele telegraph it, and right. it still has that emotional resonance. Well, think about this, Joe, because you brought up a great point. Think about Dark Knights of Steel is the same way, and he's writing that. Yeah, that's true. They've bumped off a couple of people. This is you. You didn't watch it because you only watched the first episode. Maybe this is the whole. This is the game changer that Game of Thrones was, Joe. Um, okay. And they can only really do it in what if books because they don't want to kill off all their great characters in the regular continuity books. 
But that's this, because watching Game of Thrones, anybody could go at any time, and you were always on the edge of your seat. Now, I think that, you know, sometimes is lazy writing, but I'm with you on this, that Tom Taylor knows how to do it, that anybody could go at any time, but it doesn't deter from the book. Like, you're just like, oh, I'm still enjoying the story. And the con- I'm 100% behind you on the concepts, because I like the idea of the helicarrier being uh, a sailboat and storm doing it and then i'm not gonna give too much away but where like how they how they man the ship to make things like you know to save space i'm like that's genius this is like a lot of fun so i'm i'm on that book and also with dr doom anytime dr doom's like hey we're doing this and immediately they're all like we still don't trust you Vic. like calm down and he's like no trust yet and they're like no um, so I like that. And the dark days book that you were thinking of, there was a, uh, a Capullo Snyder, uh, death metal book titled dark, uh, dark days. That's what it is. I knew it existed in there somewhere, you know? Yep. All right. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link. To all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd has a commanding lead of one over me, uh, (laughs) but it is still very early in the year. There's at least 48 weeks left in the year uh, for me to catch up. Let's see if I could do it this week. All right. Um, I'm looking over your list, Joe. And is the bo- book you're looking forward to most She-Hulk number one? It is. Sweet. Uh, so She-Hulk recently um, was like Savage She-Hulk over in uh, over Bears, in the Avengers. Uh, Avengers books. And now yep. she's not no Savage She-Hulk no more. Uh, they're reverting her back to like the Jen Walters... Uh, superhero lawyer sort of thing, and I like that sort of version of uh, She-Hulk, so I'm excited for that. Um, Sorry? It's almost like they have that version coming up in a Disney Plus TV show or something. Almost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at yours, I'm going to guess the one that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Silver Surfer Rebirth number one. Yes, it is, with a slight homage kind of to the f- cover that started it all of Gimmick Covers, Joe. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to step on you on that one, but yes. No, that's, yeah, that's Ron Mars and Ron Lim. Like, honest to God, that's the book. This is the book that brought me into the cosmic and then, like, worked my way backwards. So just seeing that, uh, the, their names on this book and be like Silver Server. And I think... I think it actually is in that era. Like there, not only is it that like creative team, but they're like, we're doing stories in our classic run, that continuity. And I'm like, I'm all over this. This is, this is going to be fun. So looking forward to that. Yep. And uh, this is one of those ones where this got announced. I remember we talked about it, like in the news, like three, four months ago, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, Ron Mars and Ron Lim on a space book in 2022. And I'm like, yeah, I would buy that, you know, like I wasn't buying these sort of books back in the day, but I've come to like the Marvel cosmic stuff. 
And this is one of those books, like many, where I don't read the solicitation text. If the creative team hits and the creator hits, I just buy it, right? Yep. And uh, you are correct, Todd, uh, as it says that they're returning to tell a story set during their fan favorite run on Silver Surfer. Hope I didn't spoil it for you, Joe. Nope. I won't read anything else, so I don't spoil it on anyone else. But I will just say this. They call it a gem and not a stone. Oh, good. Because I think in current updated Marvel book continuity, they are calling them stones now. Oh, yeah. And that's why I will not buy any Infinity book from here on out. I'm, I am drag, I'm, I'm dragging my feet on this one, Joe. All right, listen. As, as someone who gets hung up on the minutia of nothing, uh, <laughs> I completely agree. Okay. Uh, So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the 2022 uh, place thing for Todd and Joe Have Issues, and that would be the silver standard as we are trying to figure out who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comic books. Obviously, The Flash is number one. Todd feels Batman has the the second best. I know Spider-Man has the second best. So we've decided to take the bottom of the barrel of each of their rogues galleries, pitting them against each other in a giant tournament. Uh, Thanks to listener of the show, Grinch McScrooge, for putting together the spreadsheet for us. Once we're done with the first round of things and the folks that got the buys have gotten their new pairings, we'll kind of release the spreadsheet to everyone else so they can see what we're up to. Yep. Since we're letting you, the listeners, vote, and the voting is in from last week, Todd, and it was a nail-biter. But Hypno Hustler moves on in the tournament. I call that. I want to recall Joe. No, I'll let it go. So I I will say this with the integrity in which I do the polls and anything like that that we do over on uh, at odds with wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do not stuff the ballot box if it's something that we do. Right. Um, I don't use my multiple. Uh, Sako accounts to stuff the vote one way or the other. I vote my one time the way that I feel, and that's it. You know what? I, I could gonna... very easily sway things, but I don't. I let you know, the things just play out naturally, right? Right. I'm going to say a few things about that. One, I'm with you. I forgot to ask before we started this if we got one vote, because um, we never really talked about it. But I did for the last two. I used my one vote, you know, from my my regular account. Sure. So I was like if I was wrong. Um, we weren't close on the first one. This one, I was like, okay, whatever. I used my one, but I saw we were, you know, that one won. I was like, okay. And I do appreciate because I do believe between the two of us, if you wanted to, you could run rough shot through this just by retweeting and asking your like 3000 followers to vote for, you know what I mean? Be like, if you get a certain percentage, like I'm done. So I'm like, he's 4,000, but yes. I'm fourth out. Oh, look at you. <laughs> you're, you're lucky this is the non-swearing show. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. So I do. So I'm like, I don't stuff the ballot at all either, except on this one. I mean, what? <sighs> and I love no, like I, I, I put the tweet out. I put the picture. I link everything to the post. And I mm-hmm. give it one read. I don't do a quote tweet. I don't tag people. Yep. If people reply to me directly, I'll respond. 
But if people reply to the show account, I don't want to sway things one way or the other. I want this to be as pure as a vote as possible. Yep. And like I like I me, I just retweet it once. Don't even quote because I'm like the same way. I'm like, let 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 it be what it is. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so with, uh, round two being done, let's move on to round three. And again, this is who the lamest of these are. And obviously you can look at like lameness overall, but we're looking at the matchup head to head. Who's lamest. We're going to make our case to see who is the lamest. Um, I'm going to let you go first on this one, Todd, since you're, uh, your, your bat villain, uh, lost last week. Right. So, um, now. I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to try to do this like Joe does so I can win this <laughs> round, too, right? Uh, you know, okay, cat villain. We all know that, right? Fantastic. It works. You know, thief likes to steal things. Perfect. You know, you might know who I'm talking about if you, you know a bat villain. Um, you, you would take a femme fatale? No, you don't want that because who that wouldn't work with a cat villain. Take a man and then take that man and give him the great name of Carl Kyle and make him Catwoman's brother who shows up for one issue to try to bring her into the fold so they could be the king and queen. I don't know if that works as brother and sister of like you know the crime world and she ends up like turning your back on him but Batman doesn't know that their brother and sister because it doesn't get revealed to the end of the story so he's all upset because he thinks she's falling in love with them but basically he's a ripoff of Catwoman just done you know differently with a guy and he just falls completely flat because none of it works because you're just stealing uh, her gimmick and he tries I even thought I'm like okay he does like cat puns I'm like this isn't working then he has like a terrible like cat costume with I'm not even sure if that's a cat on his emblem on the chest because it's just done so poorly it's take everything about Catwoman that should work and then flip it on his head and go here's the opposite and good the opposite of good, Joe, I don't know if you know this, is bad. So <laughs> there you go. King of Cats is absolutely terrible. I will say he has a cool design, I think, based on the picture that we agreed upon for him. <laughs> yes, mutually agreed on photo. Yes, uh, I think he has a cool design. And uh, if I was a horribly sexist person and hated ladies in my comic books, he'd probably be my favorite bat villain. So... You know, you'll probably not get that vote on this, Todd. I will say this, though. I don't know who has a better mustache, King of Cats or uh, El, uh, Bad Ombre Joe. <laughs> so that's a whole different poll. Though. Now, has King of Cats and Bad Ombre ever been in a story together? Because they might be the same guy. That is true. But no, um, because King of, King of Cats has only been in one story. He was in Batman 69. And then... Whether he's come back, like, probably they want to keep that uh, King of Cats property, you know, trademark, Joe. Yes. So um, they, I think they, like, brought him back in a background or mentioned him in, in a book. But otherwise, he went, to, he went to jail and was paroled, like, years later. And that's pretty much the end of uh, King of Cats. Selena Kyle's brother, they probably retconned that right out, to tell you the truth. But I couldn't find anything on that. 
Well, we don't know how far along we are in the current Tom King, Batman, Catwoman storyline. But I, you know, you cannot rule out that he would not show up in that. <laughs> he could be the murderer, Joe. That's right. Uh, so my pick for this month, or this week rather, um, is, uh, you know, another great Spider-Man villain. Uh, similar in the vein of King of Cats, but not exactly. Um what if, Todd, you took uh, the six-armed Spider-Man? Remember, like, back in, like, Amazing Spider-Man, like, 100 to 104, for some reason, Spider-Man had six arms? hmm Okay. What if you took that look, made him, like, one of the mindless ones, but you also made him evil? And what if, on top of that, you gave him the absolute worst name possible? And that would be Doppelganger. <laughs> That's right. The evil sixth arm duplicate of Spider-Man is just called Doppelganger. Well, it does what it says on the tin, Joe. Sure, sure. Now, well, he did spin out of Infinity War, which, again, is our favorite Infinity-based comic. Um now, I know there was some question because a couple of weeks ago when I did Demo Goblin, I said Demo Goblin was out of Inferno. And somebody else said, like, are you sure it wasn't out of Infinity War? And I think people were confusing Demo Goblin and Duplegunger or Doppelganger, as some people call him. <laughs> uh, Demo Goblin from Inferno, Doppelganger from Infinity War. But Demo Goblin does show up at the end of Infinity War to save doppelganger because he needed him for a higher purpose and todd what was that higher purpose being a member of quite possibly the worst team of spider-man villains of all time from maximum carnage we have the carnage led team of course carnage himself demogoblin doppelganger carrion okay carrion's not too bad and shriek shriek is Maybe on the list a few months from now, so I'm not going to uh, tip my hand on her. Um, but this was uh, arguably uh, a story that rivals the Spider-Clone saga in badness. Okay. And, you know, he's a character who still exists in the Marvel Universe. Uh, he's bounced around in different Spider-Man, like, background things with, other equally maybe on the list later on in the year. Uh, Spider-Man villains. Uh, he even popped up like maybe in a background panel during all the uh, Null stuff and Venom. Uh, but he was most recently uh, broken out of Ravencroft by a group of vampires uh, <laughs> in Runes of Ravencroft, Dracula number one. Okay. So uh, his powers are Spider-Man, but he's evil and dumb. Okay. Um, Here's my counter argument to why uh, King of Cats is lamer than your doppelganger, as you always say. Um, Do you know how many uh, figures there have been of King of Cats, Joe? Uh, I'm going to guess at least a box set. No, the big fat squad douche. Zero, Joe. All right. um, I have found at least two, maybe three doppelganger figures. So the kids must love the doppelganger. Now, I'll um, say this. 
as I was getting the images together uh, for the post, which will go up uh, sometime uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, my kid came into the office and he's like, what are you doing? I go, oh, I'm just getting stuff together for the podcast. And he looks at Doppelganger uh, and he goes, huh. And like on the image gallery, there were, there were figures and there were Funko Pops as well. And he goes, they'll just make a toy out of anything. And he left the room in disgust. A 10-year-old looked at an evil multi-armed Spider-Man and went, meh. Now, I didn't show him King of Cats. Uh, He is a cat person, so he probably would have liked him. And I didn't want to skew the vote that way, you know? Right, because if they'll make a figure out of anything, what does that say when they won't make a figure of King of Cats? Like I said, we're... if they make figures out of multiple figures out of Azrael, again, <laughs> King of Cats is right around the corner. All I know is if if Azrael counted as a rogue, I would have won this whole thing in a landslide. <laughs> I would have just given up. I'd be like, that's yours. <laughs> hey, when it comes to Azrael, we should all give up, Joe. Right. So uh, vote for Doppelganger. The Twitter poll will go up. It'll be good for like six-ish days. Uh, So it'll end right before we record next week's episode. Mm -hmm. And while you're over, again, still longboxheroes.com, check out our store. Uh, You can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them right here, ready to ship to you. Um, Those uh, shirts were printed up by our good friends at the LVAC, you know. Mm-hmm. Support and local. Support us. We support local. That sort of thing. Uh, sign up for our Patreon. Dollar a month. Five dollars a month is going to get you our two bonus shows a month. Previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. And then uh, starting this week, uh, we're going to be looking at the additional films of Mark Pirro, who we both enjoyed. Uh, me for the first time. Todd for the millionth time. Uh, a Polish vampire in Burbank. So we're just going to go through the rest of his film Ovure, uh with this week for the $5 folks, uh, Death Row Game Show. I will say, just looking at some of the screens, it does look like it has a little bit more production value from the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Not much more, but some. <laughs> right. We went um, from zero to one. You know, that's more. You know? That is definitely more. And... Right. Uh, Mark, uh, how did you get this number, Piro? I'm yes. still rooting for him showing up, you know. Um, so the five dollar folks will get that this week. Um, you know, everything kind of goes. The five dollar folks get everything two weeks in advance. They get after dark, two days before everyone else, uh, so they can listen to everything in the correct listening order. Uh, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click through. I know you want to shop local, but sometimes that just doesn't work for whatever reason. And uh, Amazon does have a lot of stuff. And uh, you did purchase a lot of stuff uh, this week. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through uh, this week include, uh, and I like when there are purchases that are directly inspired by, I guarantee, stuff that we talked about here on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like somebody purchased uh, Mucinex, Maximum Strength, Costs, Suppressant, and Export X. Expo to Courant. Okay. All right. Uh, that was definitely inspired by my recent breathing issues across the uh, soon-to-be-named network shows. 
Uh, somebody also purchased the trade paperback of Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Uh, I would assume that's something that should be on the list every week, that everyone who listens, if you don't already own it, should be buying it, uh, hopefully from your local store, directly uh, from Kyle Starks or Chris Swizeweiser. But if Amazon's your only option, that's okay. Yes. Uh, somebody also purchased a 24-pack of Duracell AAA batteries. Uh, and somebody also purchased the Lego Avengers Avengers Tower Battle. And that's uh, those those Lego sets get expensive, Todd. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. And uh, maybe one more purchase over on After Dark. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for making <laughs> all your purchases. Any purchases through the Amazon click-through. Thanks for signing up for the Patreon. Thanks for buying any of the stuff from any of our outlets where we sell stuff. And uh, just thanks for listening, you know? Yes, thank you. Uh, so, Todd, a couple other housekeeping bits before we get into all the TV talk that we have. Um, any art attacks this week? Nope, there were no art attacks this week. And I understand that we did get in touch with the winner of the, uh, Pigskin Pickums. Yes, we and did. By and by I mean you. Yes, and he will be getting his prize in the mail very, very shortly. Um, the winner was, uh, Ron Slodowski, and congratulations. Um, I hope you enjoy your, uh, prize. And uh, next year, again, a lot of people talk that we need to have like a, a title belt or something. But if we're all local, I think that would work a lot better. I, I can't see um, mailing, mailing like around. a custom title belt to someone on a yearly basis and then expecting them to mail it back to us and then us to remail it back. It's a good idea in theory, in theory. Well, this is you want a belt. What we could do is we could get like uh, custom cardboard ones with the year printed on them, and each year send a new one. You know what I mean? Like okay, like a cheap belt. You know what I mean? That could be an idea. But uh, we we could we could talk about this because are we doing it next year with all the trouble we had this year? Hmm. Well, it depends. There's a very good chance that all of your tweets could have worked and they fix it. Oh, I I am a good tweeter. So yes. You certainly are. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's it for the main show before we get into the boatloads of TV shows that we watched this past week. I think that is, yes. So uh, if you didn't watch uh, Book of Boba Fett, Legend of Tomorrow Return, or the three episodes of Peacemaker, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Episode 590 of Longbox Heroes. And uh, we'll take just a second here so I can take a drink and uh, we'll get into a uh, book of Boba Fett. Go ahead, Todd. I was going to say, like this. yes, you're yes, you're all hydrated now. I was just waiting. I don't want you getting parched during it. Um, yep. So so basically uh, this starts out with uh, Boba on the throne, you know, taking people in, seeing what, you know, what people want under his, his crime reign. And a local merchant comes in and says that he's uh, been attacked uh, for his water. He's a, he like, he has water sells from the moisture farmers and everything like that. And, you know, under other people's reign, both Jabba and uh, Bib Fortuna, like this would never stand. It's very insulting. And he ends up telling him, like, hey, all right, well, let me look into this. He's like, well, if you fix it, I'll pay you double my my tithing or whatever. And he's like, okay. And he goes out and he he looks into it and he ends up finding this, like, uh, group of young uh, 
cybernetic people who, who update their body and everything like that. And they're supposed to be this tough gang. So he goes and sees them and they're like, Hey, you stop stealing the water from, from these people. And, she, and they're like, stealing is like, there's no work. It's like, it's all we have. And you should bother this guy for charging such high rates for water. Um, this and that. And Boba like looks around and he kind of thinks about it. And he's like, all right, you want work? You work for me. And the, the, the shop owner's like, well, what about my, my money? And he's like, here's your money. He's like, this is even close to what I'm owed. He goes, that's because you're overcharging for water. So I kind of like the way like Boba is like running, like now he's starting to play, not, not with a heavy fist. He's like working every angle that he can do. So I kind of, I kind of like that. So this group of cybernetic, uh, uh, people have their little hover bikes or Vespas as people are calling them. So I'm calling them the cybernetic, uh, Vesperados. So, um, they, they go off with them. He goes back, gets in the back to pod again, and he starts thinking back, you know, having his flashback to his time with the sand people. And he ends up thinking about how he goes to pick up the, the money from the crime syndicate that, uh, had the train in the previous episode and he goes and he tells them, uh, Oh, you know, there's this other group of people that, uh, that we get money from that protection. We're not paying both. You have to go, uh, take care of them or we won't pay. And Boba says, I- I'll do it. He goes back to his, uh, sand people and in a move i never saw coming joe they were all wiped out so i'll be surprised that they were wiped out this soon i think we talked last week and we said we knew that they were going to get wiped out mm-hmm. i just didn't expect it to be the next episode right i was hoping that they would like like i said boba would find like take care of them and make these the sand people better off than you know they started with because they get a they, oh boy, the sand people had it rough. So he's like, oh, like, you know, like now he's going to leave the desert and he figures out that it was the group of uh, people that he had seen before. They're like doing graffiti on the walls and everything like that. So um, during this flashback, he gets uh, woken up very uh, roughly by, uh, I, I don't know how to say his name exactly. It's Black Kirstan. Um, he's the Wookiee bounty hunter. Kersitan is how Kersitan. they say it in the show. Kersitan. Um, I've heard people calling him Tupaca, and I like that. So, um, but they end up getting in. He gets in a fight with them, and uh, and he like Boba's getting his 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 head handed to him, and the Vesperados show up, and they end up getting in the fight and everything. So, um, he's like they they end up getting the best of them. And they put him in the the rancor pit because that's getting a lot of work out. And they're like, okay, we kind of have to, we kind of have to look into into this. And at that moment, uh, the the two huts, the hut twins, show up and they're like, uh, they come and say, we're sorry for everything that we've done. We're actually sorry for sending um, the assassin. No hard feelings. But there's a crime syndicate who wants the everything you look over and we don't even want to deal with them. So we're leaving uh, this, you know, we're not fighting for it. Do what you want, but we suggest you run. And in a kind of peace offering, we're going to give you a rancor for your pit and, uh, and a trainer and everything. And the trainer is uh, Danny Trejo, which I thought was cool. 
Um, so he ends up taking the peace offering and ends up uh, get, offering back uh, the, the Wookiee. And they say, no, we don't want him. Like, put him, like, send him off to the gladiatorial battles where we found him. And he's like, nope, you guys leave. Uh, I'm going to let you go. But remember that I was the one that kind of let you go and watch out who you work for. Cause I was in your line of work kind of a deal and you work for dirt bags. You're going to get backstabbed kind of a deal. So he lets him go. And uh, he's like, mm, like interesting. So I have a feeling we'll see him again. Cause he kind of owes him. So Boba starts talking to the Danny Trejo character and he's like, Oh, it's a rancor. And he's like, yes, he's like, these are vicious fighting things. And he's like, yes, that they can be that if you train them, but generally they're very loving and caring. They basically doing a whole pit bull kind of deal. They get a bad rap. Yes, they are made for fighting arenas, whatever, but if you care for them, they're loving creatures and they imprint on whoever they see for the first time and has blinders on. So Bob was like, I like this creature. I want to ride it. And he's like, okay, he ends up taking the thing off. And so the rancor, um, ends up, uh, imprinting on Boba Fett. So that's going to be his pet kind of a deal. And now he's like, okay, I want to kind of figure out what's going on. Maybe it was the mayor who sent, uh, you know, people after me and all this stuff. So he goes back to talk to him and he runs into, uh, Bib Fortuna done right. And he's like, no, like he, he's not available. Well, if he's not available, we're going to like basically take the place by force. He's like, all right, I'll talk to him. And he goes in and he locks the door and they bust down the door and they, they see that he's run. And now in this fantastic bit of cinema, he ends up getting in his speeder and the Vesperados end up chasing him. And in a comedic chase that hits every cliche that can happen, Bib Fortuna done right three quarters of the trip is doing the comedic wave with his hand to get people out of the way as he's driving. People are pulling in front of him, getting out of the way. He's running over baskets full of food, which are, I guess, fruit in the desert and, and, and vegetables. Um, is there a window pane that he crashes through that somebody's carrying? No, no I Joe. think it's, like a, it's a, isn't it a portrait of the two Jabba's maybe? I think it's a velvet, it's definitely a velvet painting of a hut, and I think it's Java. He rips, they rip through that. I'm like, oh my God. And then on top of this, the the hover Vespas that they have are like just driving so slow. I'm like, this is all ridiculous. That and the uh, like colors of them. I'm like, they end up uh, catching them, and he ends up saying uh, that you know, that, that the mayor's left and he's gone to like the new crime syndicate. Um, and he's working for them and, 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 and all this stuff and it's happened. So he sends, uh, one of the Vesperados out to look at them and he ends up sending back that it's one of the people that he had his dealings with, uh, for the, with the sand people. And maybe that they're, behind everything maybe even i don't know maybe I, we'll find out that the sand people being wiped out i like this episode but i thought the speeder chase was just absolutely ridiculous in a good way or a bad way in a bad way i thought it was too hokey and stupid oh now see i enjoyed it i like the fact that it was so slow because the the sand speeder and as you say the vesperados <laughs> Yes. Uh, shouldn't be these things that are just whipping through a sandy street 
uh, on however these vehicles work. Magnets, magic, the force, mm-hmm. something, right? <laughs> right. Um, now, I didn't get a chance to see uh, the episode when it first aired, but by the time that I got around to watching it, I saw people online were bent out of shape that the Vesperados had multicolored uh, Vespas that they were driving around on. Right. And people were like, this isn't my Star Wars. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Maybe Star Wars has passed you by. Maybe go watch something else, right? Right. Uh, I'm fine with this. I'm enjoying the show. Um, I did get a kick out of how hokey it was. Um, typically, I get a little like, huh? When a real life celebrity shows up in a Star Wars thing, you know, that's right. been established. But like, you know, there's, there's, I could blur the lines of reality that, okay, the Rancor Keeper is really Machete, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's also, uh, what's your face's dad from The Flash, you know? It's, uh, listen, he's a bunch of things, right? Yep. And, uh, and I'm excited for the season finale where Boba Fett rides a Rancor down the streets of Mos Espa, you know? <laughs> okay. I'm with you, and I and the 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 shopkeeper was Stephen Root, who's looking good for him. Yes, yes. Um, but I will say this, Joe. Um, just because I have to get it off my chest, I do have one small problem with the show. Okay. And obviously, I I didn't like the but Bib Fortuna done right is my new favorite character. But um, the fact that they're setting all the pieces up to be just like Jabba's palace is a bit like too much. It's like, okay, you like the rancor? Well, we're going to give you a rancor for the pit. Now, granted, they changed it. Um, and it's like, oh, do you like, did you like the Gamorrean guards that Jabba they had? Well, we're going to give those to Boba Fett. And it seems like they're just like, all the things that you liked about Jabba's palace scene, we're going to give you back. And I do believe by the end, we're going to have the Snice Snoodles and the Max Rebo band. And it's just like, Okay, we get it. How about just a little different instead of just giving us, like, all the same? Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like... Well, our, our different is Boboffin himself and the way that he's going to be running things. hmm And, you know, he, he took over, like, why build a new palace when there's a perfectly good palace here? I have a <laughs> Rancor pit. What am I going to do? Fill it with droids that ate D8 tortures? No. <laughs> I'm going to put a Rancor in this Rancor pit that I have. Just so happened that the Huts gave me one, you know? Right, but you see, I mean, it's not like... I do. It's not like we're not doing this over time. It's like, let's get let's get it exactly like Jabba's Palace in the first three episodes. If, and I'm like, if, okay. If Boba Fett builds a new sail barge, we'll come back, we'll revisit this, and I'll say, meh, right? Okay, not only is he going to get a sail barge... But Bib Fortuna done right is going to be his uh, right hand like thing. He's gonna he's gonna have. I'll go you one better. I say uh, Bib Fortuna done eh, better uh, is going to be the new salacious crumb, where he's oh, going to be like the court jester chained up, and uh, you know going to be humiliated and whatevered by uh, Boba Fett. All right, so Bib Fortuna done right is going to be salacious crumb, and then he'll get a salacious crumb to be Bib Fortuna. That's how they're going to mix it up. I got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but otherwise I do like it, but I'm just saying that's the only small part that uh, bothers me. So. I liked it. It's a fun show. It's Star Wars. It's what Star Wars is now, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And now for to see what shows better, there's a bit of an arms race going on with these two shows. Get into Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. So Legends of Tomorrow starts off with a recap, but it's the recap from the angle of the evil Legends, who they themselves are robots hunting down the Legends that we know and love, who they've been convinced by Gideon are actually robots themselves, and they're the ones messing with the timeline. Okay, that last part is correct. The Legends that we know and love are messing with the timeline, but that's because they're lovable losers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of these, uh, evil legends, aka, uh, evil robot usses, because we're the <laughs> legends ourselves, uh, they're all just, like, one-note caricature stereotypes for the most part of what they are. Um, I'm not sure what I like better, Spooner's bad mullet wig, or the fact that Nate is essentially just Mac from It's Always Sunny in, Phil- from, in Philadelphia now. Um... I just want to say, uh, first of all, they saved all like all the money that they have saved in wig on wigs. They used on Nate's arms, and I'm with you. I'm with you, and I will say the whole bit where we, until we get the first great look at Nate's arms, I'm like, what's up with his arms? Because they don't give you a clear shot, and then when they give you the clear shot, it works. It's kind of like you're always like, is that what I think? Oh my God. And all of it, yes, all of it from Nate being the muscle head to, you know, red ain't good. I was like, I was crying with Nate. Oh my God. And all the one note characters, like you said, with the the fake legends. Right. So uh, in their attempt to take down uh, the good legends, of course, there's a couple casualties. Um, Astra and... Who gets knocked off? Zari. Astra and Zari get knocked off. They're like, oh, they're dead. But Ava, who, of course, is working for and with Gideon as Dr. Sharp brings them back. And she's like, oh, no, they're fine. They're, you know, they're okay. But they shouldn't go out on missions with you. They should just stay back here. So um, Sarah is the only one who suspects something may be up uh, because she sees, like, one of the big giant microchips that have their names on them. <laughs> yes. And she's like, oh, what are those? And she's like, oh, Sarah's like, oh, those are your medical records. <sighs> okay. All right. Um, so they're out in the field. Um, Sarah gets shot uh, because their mission is the actual legends, the good legends prevented Chernobyl from happening. But now Gideon through Ava is going to make the evil robot legends make sure that Chernobyl does happen um, because they got an announcement out. They got the people evacuated. Well, now we need the people all to come back so that Chernobyl could happen and all of those people can die. But it's like, oh, the timeline needs to be whatever, because as we're told many times throughout the course of this episode, time is like cement, Todd. Yes. I don't know what that means, but it is. But didn't, wasn't that from, like, the old episodes that that's the way – time is – like, that's what Rip told them. Time is like cement, that it's soft, like, when you change something and we have to fix it before it hardens, and they're just not explaining any of it in this. Right. I, don't know, I always thought that's the way it was, but go ahead. So uh, in their battle, Sarah gets shot, and uh, Dr. Sharp is like, oh, well, let me fix you up, give you the sedative, whatever it is. Sarah pulls the sedative out so that she could be awake for whatever Dr. Sharp is going to do. 
And then she notices that Dr. Sharp replaces like something metal in her arm. Sarah gets with Zari as Zari is like the super smart one. And she thinks something might be up too, but not 100%. Sarah confides in her that they may be the actual robots, not the other legends of the robots, and that they may be the evil ones. So uh, Sarah is tasked with a mission of taking out uh, this Dr. Petrov person. Uh, and Sarah's like, listen, I was sent here to kill you but I'm going to prove that I'm good by not killing you. I'm going to take you to this dead zone where their cameras can't see you. You're going to get away. I'm going to say that you kill that. I killed you so that you can continue on with their, with your, uh, your mission. But of course, Sarah gets a little bit too big for her britches. Uh, they hit her with a sedative and then they completely reprogram Sarah back to her factory original reset. <laughs> she goes back through and completes the job to kill Dr. Petrov. Yes. Um, and there's other stuff in there, but like, this is more or less like a one, like, there's no like real, like B story, C story. Like the B story, I guess is like Sarah figuring stuff out. Uh, the C story is like whatever, but like, this is like a self-contained thing. It a great return back for the season. And then we get a post credit thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where we get a GI Joe type, uh, you know, the more, you know, and that's knowing is half the battle sort of thing. Right. Where gassed up Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Nate shows up and tells kids not to bully each other, but the kids mistakenly think that he's John Cena. <laughs> Who missed leg day, right? John's, well, John Cena's, well, no, John Cena don't miss leg day. Right. Uh, especially when you, especially when you see him next to regular actors, as we will see shortly. Um, and then once he brags that he's made of steel and says, can John Cena do this? Then the kids just beat him with bats and that's how it ends. Right. And I love the fact that it's called, uh, the, like the more, you know, and it's called, and that's stuff you should know. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, um, I, I really, this episode is the most fun I've had in a, in a little while on, on, a, on, uh, legends of tomorrow. Like you said, all the one note, like characters, like the bit where Spooner and Bayrider try to outdo each other, even to the fact that they each try to hold their gun higher while they're talking. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. So, so ridiculous. I had so much fun with this. And if we don't get the spinoff of puppets of tomorrow, then I want the evil Android, uh, Legends of Tomorrow just going around doing, you know, evil things. So, good show. All right. So, last but not least, we have not one, not two, but three episodes of Peacemaker. Mm -hmm. um, so, obviously, we're not going to go bit by bit through all three episodes. Um, being a James Gunn guy, I did maybe take in a little bit more media outside of just these three episodes on this, maybe read some interviews and <laughs> watch some stuff with James Gunn. Right. Um, so they HBO max wanted just to release the whole thing in one fell swoop. Right. Uh, and James Gunn said, no, because what happens in episode eight, the finale needs to be standalone, even though this is one continuous story. And more or less, like, these three episodes are, like, the beginning of a continuous story. Um, he did talk them down to just having the first three released. Because if it was up to him, it would be, like, episodic. They wanted to release the whole thing in one shot. Here we are, right? Right. 
then we have, has it become a meme yet? The opening credits of the show? I don't know if it's become a meme, but it'll probably be a gif more because a meme like, like I don't think you can condense the opening of the show to one single frame. I think it's a, it's, it's an experience from beginning to end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's another thing is that the James Gunn mentions that this dance sequence was in like the original drafts of whatever the show was going to be twofold. One, just because he wanted something goofy and stupid. Well, threefold. One, he wanted something stupid and goofy. Two, he wanted to make sure, because there's a post-credit sequence on every episode as well, right? Yeah, maybe, but go ahead. Okay, there's not? If uh, a post-credit scene is just like, yeah, yes and no, but all it is is just a deleted scene from sure. the middle of the, the episode, which... I always just look like it's to me, this is, these are as you know, I won't get into whether I like it or not. It's just the laziest of lazy of post-credit scenes. Oh, boo you. But, uh, but the reason he did the opening credit sequence and puts a deleted scene after the credits is to get people to watch the credits so that people can see all the people that worked on the show. So you're not zipping past the credits, whether it be opening credits or end credits. And then the third fold is, Obviously, you get to see the entire cast, maybe some fi- people that by episode one or two or even three, you haven't been introduced to yet. And then by the time that you get to episodes four, five, six, seven, and even eight, a lot of these characters might be in a very different spot. So seeing them do this is going to give you a different feeling than when you saw it the first time. Right. Um, though I will say uh, it's it's a great opening. I love it. I don't think it's overrated one bit and like of all the little things in it the bit of eagerly trying to hit his mark and like in the like just he like moves a couple of times to like and looks around like ah with his mouth open cracks me up every time that and um i don't know if you ever watched it back in the day it gives me strong opening credits to drew carey show do you remember yes i was watching i'm like because there's some dance moves in the drew carey thing when they do cleveland rocks i'm like and every time I see it, it just takes me back to that. And I rewatch it. I'm like, yep, I know exactly what I'm talking about here. And one last real deep, deep dive that I came across in this. Uh, James Gunn was publicly thanked by many people in the aviary community. Oh, my God. For not because because people in the aviary community, Todd, are very upset because every bird in every movie, in every TV show, in every everything, always has their noise that they make is that of a hawk. Regardless of what the bird is, it's always a hawk. Mm -hmm. The aviary community commended James Gunn and the makers of this show for actually having eagerly make eagle noises. Uh, My favorite thing about ever hearing about eagles was there was a sports show I used to listen to and they had like a Marlon Perkins guy come on and he was he's like I never liked eagles because all eagles are are vultures with great PR (laughs) and I'm like that's pretty good he's like yes they're carry they eat dead like he's like for the most part they're like these these like if i gave you what they are they're all these ugly birds and then there's this majestic eagle he's like he's just the same as those but has great pr i'm like i like that that being said i always wanted to eat uh eagle soup but go ahead okay 
So the crux of this is this is a side project, a side thing. Now, another thing, this show is filthy. <laughs> okay, so we are going to be tiptoeing around so much of right. what goes on, what is said. I can't even say what next week's episode's title is. Oh, it's the something less traveled, right? Yes. Rhymes with road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a uh, suicide squad. Like, this is, like, essentially their punishment. Uh, some of the folks that we saw at the end of the previous suicide squad. And I think Clemson Mern is new. Yes? Yes. And Leota is new, right? Yes, who we find out is the right. plant. So, again, t- we're, we're in the TV's talk. We're in spoilers. If you're listening to this point, you know, if you're here with us, you've seen the show, hopefully. Um, so Leota is uh, um, Amanda Waller's mole in the group. Yes. And this group, through Peacemaker, have been tasked with Operation Butterfly. And Peacemaker, John, it's John Cena, okay? <laughs> John Cena. He yes. has been tasked with taking down these butterflies. Now, in episode one, one of the butterflies finds him. Uh, through his needs that he has for being in prison mm-hmm. and being in in the hospital for as long as he was, um, and his love of 80s music, specifically hair metal. Um, I didn't know that um, the one that gets the, like, the prolonged whatever, what was it, quiet what? Choir Boys. Choir Boys. I thought that was a fake one made up for the show. I was shocked to see that they were real. Yep, I did not know that band either. And I'm pretty, I would, I'd say like on a scale of one to ten, I'm like a seven on mm. knowledge of uh, hair metal bands. That right. was one that escaped me. Um, so John Cena has a big knockdown drag out battle with the girl that he picked up at the bar. Um, turns out that she was one of the butterflies. We don't find out because um, there's lots of gore in this, lots of violence. Uh, lots of swearing, some, um, some nudity, some nudity. Yes. Um, so then in the next episode, um, is so, oh, uh, da, 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 da. oh, so the next, the episode two is kind of like more of like your team building stuff where we get to know everyone's relationships with each other a little bit. Um, we get name drops of Batmite and Frank Henlenhotter in the episode, which is like two completely different ends of everything, right? <laughs> yes. Um, we're also introduced to Vigilante, who I'm sad that we got to see his face in episode three. But I don't know what he looks like because he kept changing his facial expressions. Right. So I couldn't remember what it was, Joe. Well, if he did face muscular exercises, he wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> wow. And then, uh, so the end, the second episode is setting up their first official mission to take down one of the butterflies, uh, who is this, uh, senator person. And, uh, it turns out that not only is he a butterfly, whatever that is, but also his entire family are butterflies. They end up taking down the two kids and the wife, uh, but the senator along with his, uh, personal bodyguard, judo master, that's right. Judo masters in this show. Why not? Sure. Um, 
they get the jump on John Cena and Vigilante. There's an extended gruesome torture sequence, uh, not before the senator has his face blown off, but not enough of his face blown off so that we don't see an actual alien butterfly thing, uh, which John Cena found one of his ships back at that girl's house. Yep. Um, see an actual butterfly uh, fly out of the thing. And then we see the map in the truck where uh, uh, Die Beard was. And yeah. we see that the entire world is littered with these butterflies. So this group is going to have their work cut out for them. A lot of red dots. And if we know anything, red ain't good, Joe. <laughs> oh, and also uh, Robert Patrick's in this. And yep. he's John Cena's super racist dad. And also the supervillain White Dragon, who is like, yep. you know, I don't know. It's not like he's like a Nazi SS U-boat captain. That would be ridiculous to name a character like that on your television show. Uh, but he ends up getting to jail because uh, Die Beard puts all of the stuff. It's like, well, we got to change the registration and the facial re recognition and all this other stuff from John Cena to someone else. So uh, Die Beard thinks he was really clever by having it set up being John Cena's father, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick ends up going to jail. But of course, in jail, what are you gonna? What's a white supremacist gonna find in jail? More white supremacists, <laughs> and then I'm sure that'll have some sort of payoff later on. Um, yeah. But I, 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 I liked this. I, I, I had nitpicks about it. I could really go over it with a fine tooth comb and pull stuff out of it that I didn't like. But I liked more than I didn't like, and I had so much fun watching it. It was just so over the top, so ridiculous. This is my kind of stuff. I'm I'm with you on on everything. Um, one thing I just want to talk about, um, you know, the white dragon character, because uh, they slightly they slightly uh, you know uh, toned it down from the comic because sure. his fa his father. Do you know who what who his father was in the comic? No, he was an actual Nazi who ran who was ran a concentration camp or was a guard. So, but the character like we're in two thousand you know twenty one, where when the comic came out in the eighties. His father could have been old enough to been so they're like, oh, we can't do that. So they'll just make him the racist, you know, supervillain white dragon. So I was like, okay, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but that being said, I'm with you. This vibe is fantastic. I it graded on me a little bit because like with Suicide Squad, you had the John Cena character of Peacemaker, you know, in with all these other characters, where now it's all Peacemaker all the time, and he's that, you know, frat boy murderer kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, that's going to grate very, very thin. But the show is so ridiculous. Then you get to like the fight scene with the butterfly, uh, the 80s girl. And it's so vicious and horrendous. And like knife and cut and like people being bounced off walls to goofy music. It's like that whole thing. And I, I, I'm going to equate it to Justice League International where the book was so funny that then when you get like these intense scenes, they punch all the harder, if you get what I mean. So that was happening. And in a couple, like in, in episode two and episode three, like that happens again. It's so ridiculous. When something goes sideways, you're like, oh my God, like that, that, that resonates even more. Um, my only nitpick, and I have to get it out, is if they had taken a character and just thrown him under the bus and made him a goofball. I wish it wasn't Vigilante. I like the character, and this is TV show Vigilante, but I like the comic character, and I like the look. And he's so far from, like, what the character yes. is. I was I was like, oh, but if it puts extra money in George Perez's pocket, 
go by all means do it. You know what I mean? If that I could definitely sense. see that uh, iteration of uh, Vigilante not making its way into the comic books. Mm-hmm. Unless in that uh, Peacemaker one shot that comes out next week, they do. But uh, it's which, they, the... which they could, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't think it'll be that soon. But if people love it, this is what the new Vigilante will be yeah. in the comics. Too. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of like how they turned Harley Quinn into the, like, you know, in the comic now. Not the, not the movies. Where it was like, okay, we have Harley Quinn. She's the broken, you know, sidekick. And then they changed her into the Deadpool of the DC yeah. universe. I have a feeling they're trying to do that, but in a in a lamer version of Vigilante. And if it and if people love it, it will be in every issue of comics coming up for the next year. And that's the way we'll see him forever. He'll be a nice foil for uh, Booster and uh, Blue Beetle. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, what was I gonna? Was there something else I was gonna say? Was there anything um, about the end credit scenes? But go ahead. No, so I and again I get what you're saying that the end credit scenes were just deleted scenes essentially or extended scenes or whatever. But mm-hmm. in watching those, I'm like, if they release this on DVD or some sort of platform where I get more of these deleted scenes, right. uh, I absolutely would buy that DVD. Right. And I will say this: good, like it's good for uh Jimmy Pistol to want you know, to recognize these people and see their names go up on the credits. But I'm going to tell you, Jimmy, nobody cares. Nobody's reading them, but the mother of the the gaffer is reading them. And two, did they get a paycheck? Then that's, that's their, you know, that's what they do it for. Like I get it, but I'm like, ah, for, for literally eight seconds of an end credit scene. No, that's, I think that's a little weak, but otherwise love the show. And I want I a peacemaker you. helmet. I want a peacemaker helmet. I'll need two for my big giant melon head. Well, I guess I can get one off the taxi driver, but what are you going to do? Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, there's so much more I want to talk about. Like even like right in that first opening scene where John Cena is talking to the janitor at the, at the hospital. <laughs> right. <laughs> would at Peppy the Frog on Twitter lie? And I, oh, Peppy the Frog 29. I looked it up to see if it was a real Twitter account. It was not, sadly. <laughs> well, it's all yours if you want it. And uh, what he says about Aquaman being like Troy McClure. <laughs> yep. Um, and then how he just like, he's he's like, well, I could leave. And then he just leaves in like his bloody outfit and yep. tries to act nonchalant about it. Until he gets away and then he's like screaming. Yeah. Uh, the fact so that he it, lives in a red, white, and blue trailer. Uh, I was so, that, so mad that the car got smashed. Yeah, well, he'll get a new one, I'm sure. Uh, but I get what you're saying that like he's just like this power mad, singular focused frat boy. But it definitely feels as though, especially in that second episode where Vigilante walks in and I'm crying. That he's tr- he realizes that maybe his way has not been the best way, and I think they're going to attempt some growth with this character. Oh, I definitely think they're going to try some growth. And the scene where he couldn't kill the butterfly kids, yeah, and he's like, and Murr's like, You got me a killer who can't kill, and Vigilante's like, 
let me take it. Do, 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 do. And he like ends up like, you know, just bang, bang, bang. And you're like, wow. And also the fact that if uh, they didn't legalize pot, everybody would be dead in that show. So. And every time, and again, they didn't, they didn't specially brand all of his weapons with a dove on them. Oh. That's the other problem. <laughs> when he does the Sharpie. Every time I try to draw a dove, it looks like a ghost. <laughs> oh, your your wife would be scared. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what else is I going to say? Am I going to say? No, it's not. So um, the actor who plays Mern, uh, Chuck Woody Awuji, and I've definitely butchered that pronunciation. Uh, they are in Guardians 3, which is currently filming right now. Right. And they are the only person on the IMD cast list that does not have what character they're playing in the movie. Oh, okay. Mm, curious. Well, I don't want to give like say too much. Sure. But you said his name is Mern, right? Yes. I could have swore there was a Mern in Aquaman. You know what I mean? Yeah. As okay. a character. So I'm wondering if that's going to be, uh, it, you know, ties into it. But either way, we'll see. Uh, but I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun. I did too. I'm looking forward to more. And I have people, I like, this is one of the few shows I had people texting me about. So good. I'm glad. Yep. I'm glad what people are texting you and leaving me alone. That is true. So, was that a nice short show, Joe? Uh, short-ish, let's say. Okay. All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 590 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.